just to, to kick off, Jeff, is it just worth summarising who you are and what your kind of, um, you know, interest is in? Yeah. Um, okay, my name's uh, Jeff Allen. Um, I've been interested in hydrogen since uh, 2005 for rail applications, um, but it's only in in the last um, three years uh, that I've been involved in uh, designing and uh, building and testing hydrogen trains, which is uh, a main thrust of what I do um, these and, days. And there's a there's a huge amount of um, interest in hydrogen, isn't there? And I guess a huge we're at a very sort of um, formative um stages you know there's, there's a lot going on under the under this i get a feeling there's a lot going on under the surface and, and at some point it's going to mature yes i think um it, it's a very interesting question that you ask and in 2005 there was a great thrust on in two areas um cars and buses for hydrogen and um, there was a lot invested, particularly in Germany, on uh, infrastructure and also um, development of the cars, and similarly in, in Japan. And um, I'm afraid that um, both countries missed the boat on cars. And let me explain why. Um, there's a, a, um, a hot spot um, of, um, with cars for using batteries because you can get a hundred kilowatt hour battery and that will take you 300 miles at 70 miles an hour uh, admittedly in the summer with a um, um, uh, with a two-ton car so um, real and and the great thing about uh, batteries is they're very efficient maybe around about 90% somewhere in the region of, of of that whereas with hydrogen if you're going to produce clean hydrogen um you uh, lose 50% at least in the production of the hydrogen by electrolysis and then you lose another 50% in the hydrogen fuel cell or uh, you lose even more if you use an internal combustion engine. So hydrogen is nowhere near as efficient as, as batteries. I mean, obviously for railways, the most efficient thing is to use an overhead wire, but we still have half a network um, that is not electrified. Um, anyway, so um, the boat was somewhat missed with hydrogen for cars um, there was still the um, the buses, which was a, a potential application, because although uh, you have the um, low efficiency with hydrogen, you do have um, a longer, much longer range, and you can increase the range cheaply and uh, with lightweight simply by adding more gas cylinders if you're using compressed gas. Right. Um, so the attention then went to um, largely to, to, to buses. I mean, Germany and to a certain extent, Japan are still pursuing cars, um, but, but electric, battery electric cars have, have, have really um, stolen the scene there. Um, now, even with buses now, um, battery buses are coming along, battery technology is improving all the time. And um, 
that one of the main um, problems with uh, hydrogen fuel cells, apart from efficiency, was cost. Cost was very high. Um, we do still have hydrogen buses in the UK. We've got some in London, Aberdeen, Leeds, and there are um, some being tested in, in um, Birmingham. But my expectation is that we will increasingly see battery electric buses rather than hydrogen buses. And that's partly down to cost again. Right. And, 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 and not least due to the infrastructure needed. Right. Um, so uh, what does that leave with hydrogen? Well, um, that still leaves um, trains. Um, the last train that I worked on had a hydrogen storage capability of around nine megawatt hours. Now, if you can imagine how big a nine megawatt hour battery is, it's enormous. It would fill all the coaches and you wouldn't have any space for passengers. So there's still an advantage with hydrogen, albeit at the lower free, uh, lower efficiency, um, for certain remaining niche areas. Um, rail is um, a fairly small one. Shipping is a very large one. Um, and aircraft is, is another one. And another huge one potentially are um, trucks. But I do see this technology as um, a transitory one. I mean, by transitory, maybe 10, 30 years um, for those applications, because battery technology is improving all the time. Well, it, it's such a dynamic commercial marketplace for batteries, isn't it? I guess that, yeah. that, that that's and the sort of, you know, the innovation is going to happen through roads, I guess, in a way yeah. which is going to drive, you know, I guess we're, we're, we're working with rail and with, you know, some of these other like aviation and other areas. We're working on a much longer asset life, aren't we? So, the, yeah. Yeah. so I guess batteries would be out involved. That's interesting. So in terms of rail, then, what's the niche area that you that you see, Jeff? Um. Well, um, certainly um, uh, the smaller passenger, lower speed passenger trains, um, so up to 100 miles an hour, um, four cars, eight cars, um, rural uh, or semi-rural <laughs> applications, the sort of applications where electrification hasn't been invested in um, on the network. Um, there's... Um, also an application for shunting locomotives and um, larger trains are more difficult but we're getting there and in terms of um, rolling stock because um, obviously my particular focus is um, safety yes do you, do you do you see any um, I mean I guess there may be different configurations or ways in which hydrogen would be used. And do you see any, what, do you, what are the key kind of um, areas of novelty where safety risk will need to be considered? I mean, the obvious risk is any area where hydrogen can collect. Um, so under station canopies, um, tunnels, um, uh, bridges to a lesser extent. Um, 
Of course, the key thing about hydrogen is it's lighter than air. So as long as it has a means of um, escaping into, into the broader atmosphere, it will, it will just disappear. And there's a wonderful um, video on um, YouTube um, which shows two identical cars, one with a petrol tank and one with a hydrogen tank. And um, in this video, the two are set alight and um, it will be no surprise to you, George, that there's not much left of the petrol car. It's a, it's a burnt out um, um, uh, frame. Yeah. The hydrogen car, you can't even tell that it has been set alight. And the reason for that is because the hydrogen escaping has just gone straight up into a flame and dissipated itself and, and no other damage um, is done. So, 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 so I guess there's the kind of at least theoretical possibility of of hydrogen gas being trapped and and then collecting in just the right concentrations for something that's a bit more yes. impactful. Yes, and and I think that's where um, the uh, analysis has has focused. Um, I I was involved in uh, an analysis that that looked at tunnels, um, and I'm not giving anything away here, but um, one of the things that I pointed out, um, uh, well, in, in, in fact, I, I should explain that in the prototype train that I worked on, we needless to say had hydrogen detectors, and um, we did detect quite a bit of hydrogen, and it was actually coming from lead-acid batteries that we were using, um, and lead-acid batteries, as you know, uh, do emit hydrogen and uh, so I can't help feeling that with the passage of trains we may well have seen some hydrogen emitted from those trains uh, in in tunnels um, for some time um, but I'm not aware of any incident uh, with a conventional train um, arising from that hydrogen but maybe that's just too small an amount and maybe it dissipates so, so that's so that's interesting so in looking at what might be the expected hazard you actually find things you wouldn't expect on the on the flip side then are there any things from your you know interest in this area um that you genuinely wouldn't have expected which are, are problematic or, or or even have a safety implication um not not really um i mean i can go through through some of the some of the areas i mean the the, the first one is is um uh, the gas cylinders themselves. Um, and a lot of uh, work uh, um, has been put into these. Um, they're typically made out of aluminium, uh, quite often a single billet. Um, and um, they are then covered in um, carbon fiber. Um, and th these provide a, a very good crash-worthy um, uh, 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 subsystem. Um, they have been tested in America with assault weapons, and believe it or not, in America they've had difficulty getting assault weapons powerful enough to penetrate them, <laughs> which yes, gives you some idea of of how robust these cylinders really are. It, it paints a, a different picture of a sort of um, engineering workshop, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, the other thing about these cylinders is that they um, have um, uh, valves on the end, which to start with have to be energized in order to allow the gas to escape. Um, so uh, if an emergency situation arises, it's fairly, it's very easy just to cut off the power and, and, and close those valves. Um, they also typically um, have a, um, a, a glass, it's difficult to explain, but it's like a glass relief valve, um, which, which breaks at a certain temperature uh, and um, if that temperature is reached, in, in, implying there's a fire somewhere near the cylinder, um, the hydrogen is vented to atmosphere, and that's that's a safety feature of any any hydrogen um, system. So, Jeff, um, Jeff, another question then, in in terms of um, catastrophic failures, um, yes, one of the other areas where um, where you can often get kind of unpredictable or uncontrolled things happening uh, relates to the electrification <laughs> yes and i just wonder yeah. in a depot environment are there any particular hazards or concerns around um unintended interaction between you know 25 kv and 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 hydrogen systems or um is is, is that all fairly it, easy to manage it, it's a it's a potential risk um normally there would not be any hydrogen leakage at all um and um, uh, um, let me correct that, George. <laughs> One of the things the fuel cell does is it, it purges a little bit of hydrogen into the exhaust as it's operating. So um, what you will find is um, there is some hydrogen leakage through the fuel cell into the exhaust, um, but that is managed um, such that the um, concentration, because it's added to air and water vapour, the concentration is so low uh, that it won't ignite. Um, but under normal circumstances, with that exception, there's, you wouldn't expect to have any hydrogen leakage. And therefore, um, 25 kV um, and, the, and the spark risk um, it, it should not be a problem in those circumstances. Now, obviously, if you did have a failure of some sort and you had hydrogen leakage, then um, a, a, an overhead um, system with arcing from the pantograph or, um, uh, or, or, or a, a third rail with shoes uh, would be a potential um, spark ignition uh, source and and would need to be considered in any risk assessment. Yes. Yeah. I guess, I guess without having done the analysis, I was wondering whether there's a common cause there in that some catastrophic circumstances where the 25 kV was part of the the breaching or or you know uh, um, damaging of the system itself. There are several um, uh, mitigations here. Um, one is that uh, you you have a number of hydrogen sensors in the installation um, and including inside the fuel cell and uh, if any of those detect hydrogen um, you cut off the main source which would be the cylinders at the cylinders themselves so even if you've got a leakage in a pipe say 
um, you would cut it off at the cylinder and, and therefore once the gas is released in, in, in the pipe, that would... Um, uh, uh, and as you've said, the tanks themselves are, are very um, robust. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I wonder if I can um, elaborate a little bit on, on gas storage, because there are three main forms of gas storage. Um, one is um, uh, liquid um, gas storage, uh, which the Germans were particularly interested in. Now, hydrogen doesn't turn into a liquid until it's a few degrees above absolute zero. Um, so you, you end up with a, a Kelvin-type uh, chamber to um, store the hydrogen. I'm not aware that any railway application has, has utilised that. Um, the other is gas storage, uh, compressed gas storage, I should say, and that is, um, uh, that is um, normally at 350 bar for railway applications, which is a very high pressure, as you know. Um, for cars, it's at 700 bar. But there is another form of hydrogen storage, um, which, believe it or not, uh, I don't know how, how good your chemistry is, mine's hopeless, believe it or not, is uh, stores hydrogen in a more compact way than making it liquid. Um, and this is with metal hydride. As I understand it, when it's a liquid hydrogen, the, the links between the molecules are reasonably long, whereas the metal hydride provides like a sponge where the hydrogen can hide in between the metal um, uh, uh, atoms, um, and that way you can you can get uh, much um, bigger uh, density than you can with with gas storage. Now you might say, uh, if that's the case, why don't they use them in cars or buses? Um, the simple answer is it's heavy. Right. However, <laughs> it um, is ideal for. Uh, railway applications um, because um, weight is, is so much less of a problem. In fact, um, a friend of mine in America um, uh, developed a, a one megawatt hybrid uh, hydrogen locomotive and um, there were two choices he could have used, um, metal hydride or gas. And in the end, they chose compressed gas. I think possibly for cost reasons, I don't know. Um, but as a consequence, because it was a, a locomotive, they ended up putting um, lead weights on the train to get the weight up to what it used to be. And if they'd used metal hydride, they wouldn't have needed the lead. Okay. Um, the lead hydride is so safe a means of storing hydrogen it was used on the first uh, hydrogen locomotive and a fleet of hydrogen locomotives uh, that we used for mining applications. And as you know, George, um, you know, in mines, um, safety is paramount. Um, compressed gas is not allowed. And therefore, they use these um, metal hydride cylinders. 
just picking up on something else you said before, Jeff, as well, you talked about some niche applications in different sectors. What's the niche application in aviation? I think that, well, I think there are a couple of things. One, where it started, and I'm going right back to 2005, um, was utilising um, fuel cells on the ground um, for powering auxiliaries while the, 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 the plane was, was on, the, on the ground. Oh, like shore supplies. Yeah. <laughs> but since then, I, I think there have been a, a few um, suggestions that you could use hydrogen to actually power the, a, a large plane. Um, and certainly there have been hydrogen fuel cell smaller planes that have been tested already. Right. But again, do you, I mean, I know, um, like all sectors, aviation has a challenge to move away from, uh, you know, fossil fuels. Yes. Are you saying in the longer term, though, again, batteries is the is the um, more promising avenue to pursue than um, th th than hydrogen, perhaps, or or, 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 yeah, or it might be or something else. Yeah, it might be a mixture. Well, I mean, there's always there's something else. I can't vouch for there's something else. <laughs> But there doesn't seem to be anything on the immediate horizon that's obvious for the something else. Um, for aviation, you mean? Yeah, yeah. But uh, hydrogen is being seriously looked at. Um, I think there they're looking more at it as a, com a combustion fuel, but I may be wrong there. One, one of the advantages of um, a fuel cell in aviation um, is that um, the way a fuel cell works is is that um, it extracts oxygen from air um, and then uh, adds the hydrogen. So you've got the oxygen and the hydrogen to get the, the power, water and heat. Um, but the point is that one of the products is oxygen depleted air. Right. Which is quite useful um, in fuel tanks on aeroplanes. And uh, another curveball question, Jeff. In, in no. terms of um, uh, materials, you know, like platinum or other things that might be used for hydrogen, yeah. is there a concern around scarcity of that? And is that part of the uh, things which might limit? Uh, its uptake or not 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 really it, it it was a problem earlier on and particularly in terms of cost um but what what's happened is that um the the platinum uh, usage has has fallen as as the hydrogen fuel cell technology is developed right and my understanding is that uh, a fuel cell might typically last for 10 years um, and then what you do is you take the fuel cell out, you dismantle it, you clean the hydrogen um, because it, it, its surface is contaminated, and then you put it back together and you've got another 10 years of life. And even at the end of the life, um, you've got carbon electrodes and the platinum, which can be recovered. Um, so it, 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 if anything... Um, it's an easier system to um, uh, recycle than batteries. Okay, understood. I've, I've, and I guess a final question, Jeff, is more of an open one. Is there um, anything you think um, it, people don't know about 
hydrogen in the broadest terms of the topic that it would be useful for them to know? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a difficult one. I think um, I think what I might end on is um, there's a there's a lot of um, negative talk about hydrogen um, f for two reasons. One is the efficiency, and I've explained about that already, and and why, uh, although it's a lower efficiency for some niche products it's 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 worth um, applying but the other is where hydrogen generally comes from and hydrogen is normally um supplied as a, a byproduct of um uh, of oil production um and uh, it's effectively a reformation process on on the oil and that is where the bulk of hydrogen comes from at the moment um and all of this doesn't make sense unless you have a green hydrogen source. Yeah. Um, you then find a criticism from a lot of people who say, well, if you've got the solar or wind energy, you're far better off using it, um, uh, the electricity directly. And, and it is certainly true that for, for railways, what you ought to be doing is electrifying the the network, um, but for trucks you largely don't have that option. Although there have been some attempts to do that, um, so it's this whole area is very much one of compromises. Um, and I, you know, I'm not one to say hydrogen is 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 um, the best thing since sliced bread. It, it's it's the least worst option for certain niche areas. Yeah, yeah, no, and, that, and that's, that's, that's come across. That's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. you, you do get, um, there's quite a bit of evangelising in a lot of technologies at the moment, aren't there? And it's, it's yeah. as, as people get yeah. to grips with them, you need that excitement to, um, to work out uh, the nitty gritty, I think. Yeah, but I, I think there is, um, you know, there are a lot of people around who do say hydrogen, is um the next best uh, you know is, is is the best thing since sliced bread um a lot of them are oil companies actually right yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh excellent thanks ever so much jeff lovely to see you again yeah, yeah it's good to see you it's been a while hasn't it you've, you've lost your mustache and i, I have my um, beard. yeah it was um <laughs> but you know if you didn't grow some facial hair in lockdown you weren't playing the game were you i think no that's true <laughs> Yeah, Take bye. care. Bye.